listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Reality Check Radio this morning. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Oh, and have we got the best news ever? Casey Costello, the woman that I have on that you all love, is standing for Parliament. Yes, she's standing for New Zealand first, which I think is understandable given its principles and its values and what Mr. Peters always says. But wouldn't it be marvellous to have a parliament with the great Casey Costello in it? And Casey joins us this morning. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Rodney. Lovely. Oh, do you know I read the news and I sort of get a bit low and then you standing for parliament has brightened my life, actually and made me look forward to this election. Oh, thank you so much, Rodney. I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I'm a bit selfish because <laughs> I want good people in Parliament, you know. So it's, look, I, I look, I'm so excited because there's so many armchair critics and people that complain about Parliament, and here you are, a person that's gone into Hobson Pledge and hoisted your flag and taken a lot of flack had a lot of support, but taking a lot of public flack, and you're doing the next thing, which is to stand for Parliament, and you'll be you'll take flack for that too. But the people that are giving you the flack, they're the people that want us to have a good Parliament with good people. Yeah, and and that, it's really true that you you kind of you do take the flack, but I think I, what I've found over the last seven years is that. Um, if you're true and you're honest and you stick to your, your, you know, you don't waver, and I've never wavered on on what I stand for, um, eventually people kind of listen to it and, and they stop the argument and start listening. And, and I think that's what I've found. And I think it's that put your money where your mouth is. And I've, I've spent so long when I was in the police advocating for um, police through the police association and, and Hobson's Pledge and, now I just think it's time to, you know, step up and take the next um, the next battle on. Great. Well, great for you. Now, I want to do something a little different. You're standing for New Zealand first. I'm going to put that to one side for the moment. And I want to talk to you about the process that you've gone through to come to this position that you'd stand for Parliament and the process that you've gone through Presumably you've been selected as a candidate? Yes. Yes. And the process that you've been through, because people are interested in, they don't know about this, the process that you've gone through to be selected as a candidate for New Zealand First. So please walk us through your decision-making and then the process. I th- I think, like, right through the, the journey of Hobson's Pledge, um, we've constantly had this dialogue of, you know, why aren't you a political party? Why aren't you, you know, um, getting into parliament? And we were very clear that that Hobson's Pledge was lobbying for equality before the law. We weren't a political party. And I never believed that single issue political parties can be successful. Um, you know, it's just, it's a hard journey. Um, what I found over the last few months, um, well, particularly the last three years, really, I suppose, was that the, the value of MMP is really evident when we've had a majority government of Labor, you know, being um, just, you know, unchecked through, you know, really dangerous legislation and dangerous policy. So I kind of started to feel that sense that 
if you really needed to make a difference, you have to be in there and you have to be in there with a strong voice. So once I'd kind of thought about that idea and, and you know, I've been approached by different parties and you know, had different discussions over the years as to what I can do. I never felt that I was ready. But New Zealand First, right back from the beginning, was the party that um, had always stood stood constant on this issue of equality before the law. Um, and so I, 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 pay, I put my, I, I put my name out there. I had the conversations, and you do you go through this selection process of really defining who you are, what do you stand for, like you know, really, uh, you know, you kind of think it's you put your name up and you go well, there you go, you're lucky to have me. But actually there's a really, you know, it's a really soul-searching kind of being um, put through the checks and and everything about your background, about who you are as a person, what you've done in your past, all of those sort of things. And and what do you bring? What do you offer? And it's not just the standing in front of, you know, parliament. It's actually, you know, how, how, how well can you build a team? How can you engage with people how can you take this and it's not an easy road and I mean you know Rodney it's Mm. you know you surrender your life a wee bit so there's a lot of almost talking you out of it through the process you know do you realize what it's going to be like I suppose I had the advantage because I worked for a few years in parliament when I ran security down there and um you got to see it warts and all, you know, what what it's like and and I think that's helped I hope you didn't see me misbehaving (laughs) No, I was, you know, I was just in the background. I was always there. My I, was worried. The- <laughs> I was always worried that there were those cameras everywhere. And I imagine those security guys had some great chuckles watching MPs thinking yeah. that they were off camera having a kiss and a cuddle with someone or <laughs> being a little drunk. And, and well, it, I was down there when they, um, when smoking was banned in the oh. government buildings. And, and that was a big to do because there was a, you know, that, and it Secret. really, Secret smoking places. Yeah, exactly. And it really killed Bellamy's, I think, when they stopped smoking. Everybody. Um... Wow. Can I tell you a little story about that? I turned up to Parliament, and as you can imagine, I was shocked by the behavior and the hypocrisy and the madness of it. It was like getting yeah. up to a boys' camp or something. And I went into Bellamy's. And there was a big table of Labour MPs presided over by Jonathan Hunt, who went on to become to the Speaker. This is when he first came to dislike me. And I had always opposed the banning of smoking. I thought it should be up to the people that owned the place, right? Yeah. But Labour had been big on it. And there they were smoking in Bellamy's. And I was so outraged by this that there was a rule for the little people. This is in 1996. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. 97 maybe, that there was a rule. For, I didn't sort of detect what was making me angry, but it was this idea that there's a rule for the little people and the rule for us. And the lady that ran Bellamy's, I called her over and I'd got to know her, you know, within a couple of weeks. And I said, excuse me, those people are smoking. And she said, oh, look, I can't say anything, you know, because, like, they're in peace. And I said, I think I said, well, I will. (laughs) (laughs) And I went over and read the riot act and said they couldn't smoke there. 
And this poor girl had to sort of back me up. And um, from that moment on, I was a hated person. And it's like you say, I mean, I've never forgotten that because, yeah, I'm sorry, we're talking to you yeah. and I'm telling you my story. So when you're a security, you'd see them sneaking off for a smoke um, on the very laws that they had passed. Isn't that terrible? It, it was it was interesting. It was a it was a transitional thing. I think it was this idea um, of it. But we also encountered, you know, when when you had MPs protesting, and and the police would be, you know, coming to me to say, oh, you you can't have them, you can't have them holding these signs or having this. And I was like, um, guys, you know, this is Parliament. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have no authority to tell an MP what they can or cannot do. You know, this no. is an open. Parliament, so. Oh, so it won't be strange for you. You'll have seen more than me. Now, tell me, so you went through this process. Presumably it was tricky for you because I imagine while you were in Hobson Pledge, you weren't a member of any party. No, no. So um, I had, I mean, I, I've been involved with political parties and I've, I've been aware of, of the process, but no, I wasn't a member of any political party. So um, that, that that was the whole process of membership and and engaging. Although I suppose we'd been lucky with Hobson's Pledge because I'd had the opportunity to engage with all the political parties in terms of what they were saying, um, trying to influence policy change and things like that. So I had a pretty good knowledge of where everybody was standing on the different issues and um, and so that I think that knowledge has really helped me make um, a decision about where I best fit and um, what what is the the what resonates for me and and that's where I found my home. So you found your home and then you became a member. Presumably, the party because you said parties had been approaching you, and I can understand why you're a big catch because you're uh, an attractive woman, Maori. <laughs> principled, able to speak. I mean, most people standing for parliament, uh, A, don't have those characteristics, but B, actually haven't that ex had that public experience and that public recognition. So you'd be a big pack, big big catch for any party. Um, presumably the parties were approaching, presumably you were approached by New Zealand First uh, saying, would you like to stand for us? Well, I think as background, I, I've actually had quite a bit to do with Winston over the years. Um, mm -hmm. he, he comes from not far. My my mum's family went to school with Winston's family, so there's a there's a family connection. So I've kind of I've I've encountered Winston a lot over the years, and and not just politically, not just politically. Yes. Mm. So so that's um, and I think the 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 discussions were really. Um, not just about um, you know me you know wanting to stand for Parliament, but wanting to to be part of a solution, and that was really my driver. Was you know this is you know this is roll your sleeves up time. This is you know there's there's Good some big you. stuff to take care of, and 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 that was where I I felt the the strength. You know that that sense of you know the the real grassroots people have been the supporters of Hobson's pledge. You know we're a we're a you know a small dollar donor you know group that you know we're we're funded by everyday Kiwis and and that's where I felt I fitted the best. So your negotiations and discussions and process 
wasn't backroom functionaries, although they would be involved in the process, you also had a direct link with the leader, Winston. Yeah, and, and but it definitely I had to go through the same process as everybody else. Of it was that, that was um, the the discussion was you know you know we're all the same. There's no there's 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 no one more important than anyone else, mm. um, and so the whole process had to be applied the same to me. And and I, I that to me shows the integrity of the party that there was no you know special deals or anything like this. Mm. This uh, you know okay. Right, let's have a chat, but you've still got to go through this process. Did you find the process intimidating? <laughs> it was really. It was that sense of like, you know, you're talking to people that you're you're selling yourself. And I'm the. I mean, I haven't had a job interview forever. You know, it was you're literally selling yourself, but not just you know what you can do, but truly what you believe. What do you stand for? What are you about? Um, that stuff is is it, it's really good, and and one of the things you go through is you write your resume. You you basically write who you are, what you stand for. That that really kind of getting down to um, breaking down who you are as a person, and and it's quite cathartic. It's really it's mm. really good. I enjoyed it. It was it was. Neat was it in, did you find it intrusive? Um. No, I think because it's you know you know that everybody's doing the same thing and you know you're going through that process and mm. um, and I, I think one of the things because I'd, I'd had the experience of being down at Parliament and when you see people that that you know that just it's too much it's it's too hard it's too different it's too much pressure I've seen that kind of how it's unfolded so I think it's really useful to go through that at the front end and and be really clear about what you're getting yourself in for um, before you and get what down. what about, I don't want to ask you what they could be, but did you have to search back through your mind and think of skeletons and possible <laughs> skeletons? And, and I think that was the part that I I could stay hand on heart, you know, with seven years with Hobson's Pledge, if there was a skeleton with the amount of people that were trying to come after us, I think somebody would have found a skeleton by now if there was yes. one. To come. So um, I, I'm fairly sure that if, if there was one out there, my memory's not the best, but I'm fairly good. I'm all above board. But I think if somebody had found something, it would have come out before now. So I think I'm pretty. The, the tricky thing about skeletons is, and you can take the sort of merest hint and, take one plus one plus one and get 33 when the media come to write the story up and um, you're then trying to explain the situation, but it's you've lost it. Yeah. And that's, that's the very, very, and we've seen this over and over with the MPs, you know, some ju justly traduced and some extremely unjustly traduced. And when you look at it, I think this is objective. It actually matters who you are and what party you stand for, the level of standard that's applied. Yeah. Some some MPs and some parties are very favoured by the media and some are painted in the worst possible light. Um, and New Zealand First in Act would be the ones that have most heavily criticised and the Greens and Labour have the most easy right. Yeah, it, it is. It's that dilemma of how do you, connect I, I think we've become we've reached the stage and and the work that you're doing Rodney 
with Reality Check Radio is that the people are, are seeking their own information more and more mm. uh, and they're not being sold that um, that front-facing narrative. So I think that's, you know, there's a lot more um, intelligence being applied to just listening to what you've been told um, and, and people are willing to kind of hear the full story. And I, I think, you know, if you're honest and you're um, open about what you believe and what you stand for, eventually the, the naysayers all, you know, they, I mean, the, the worst thing I think for me is that you, you just get ignored, um, which we, yeah. you know, we with, with Hobson's Pledge, um, you know, Don would be um, promoted and I would be ignored because I was harder to, you know. Yes. Um, well, you've certainly been through it with Hobson Pledge. I suddenly realised that ACT and New Zealand First aren't the worst attack in New Zealand. Hobson Pledge would be even more so. <laughs> and, I mean, they've managed to paint you as a racist fascist when you're a Maori, part Maori, female, ex-police officer and very kind, generous, excellent person who everyone that knows you loves and adores you. Um, and if they can do that to you, you understand perfectly how unjust it can be. Because you are you really are, I like, as you know, I'm a great fan of your auntie. We won't name yes. her, but she, she is such a beautiful woman and such a wonderful woman, and she adores you, and that's enough for me. And I think that's what gets you through. And, and we were talking a lot through the New Zealand First has had their conference this week is that wraparound support you have from your family. And and that's what I've been really credited to. And 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 my auntie that you refer to, she sent me just before the, the conference, the launch, because she knew that I was announcing, she sent me a photo of my grandparents and just, just wrote at the bottom just saying, just remember them they're with you and they'd be so proud of you. And that was, you know, just really moving, really lovely. That's, that's tearing me up a bit. And, of course, your auntie <laughs> would know Mr Peters and his family very well. Yes, yes, she does. Very and much. this is going back generations. Yep, yeah. So, yeah, they and, – and I think that's what I admire the most um, about Winston is that I know where he came from, you know, where what his family – you know that that they are the the uh, the example that you know this is you are as good as you are willing to to you know put yourself forward and be accountable and care for your children and raise your families and support your families and all of those sort of things and and that's that's what I admire and that's the the values that that I've been raised with and that's what I think um, we need to be bringing back to our country. Now, tell me, um, have you made a decision yet whether you'll be standing in a seat or list only, or is that too early? No, I'm I'm standing at Port Waikato. I live in Pocono, so Great. yeah. So I'm standing in Port Waikato. So everybody in Port Waikato? <laughs> yeah. Who's the sitting MP in the Port Waikato? Um, Andrew Bailey. He's a national MP, I think. MP, yeah, yeah. Great. And... Are you going for the seat or are you going for the party vote? Um, I, yeah, that, that's some big decisions because, as you know, winning electorate seats is, is a big job um, and it's really up to the party to decide how much we can invest. But um, I, I think it's it's important to give, present the option, present yes. the, the, 
the option as a realistic option. And well, I mean, people have their vote. They can spend it how they choose. Yeah. <clears throat> now, you're also going through the list selection process to determine where you go on the list. Um, are you aware of that process and um, you're up for that because that's going to be very influential on your life. Yes, it is. Um, and you know that. And as you know, the the list selection. I think um, some of the parties have put their lists out already. Um, I, I New Zealand First will will um, put their list out. You know when the management decides. And I I think it's that merit meritocracy base which I admire the most. This isn't about you know this diversity higher kind of position I want to I want to be in a position because of my merit and what I offer and what I've delivered for the party um and you know not this you know we've got to have this representation factor I think that we need more than that in this parliament and we need people who are there because they absolutely are the best people to be there um not because, and I would hate that sense that I was there because I was a female or as Māori or whatever it was. I, I want to be very best. Now, how does it go? Because everyone confronts this and everyone has to, they call it swallowing the rat. But how does it go? Because there's so much wrong in New Zealand, and let's just focus on one law for all. How does it go when say, we are fortunate enough that you make it to Parliament, which would be a wonderful thing for us as a people. How do you handle mentally and philosophically and pragmatically the need, and it's unavoidable, to give way on your principles? Because we're so far away from achieving Hobson's Pledge ideal, that it would be amazing if you could achieve everything overnight. It's going to be a process. And so inevitably, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be resistance from the other political parties. There'll be pushback from your colleagues. Uh, there'll be a massive pushback from the bureaucracy and from the interest groups. And so you're going to be doing your utmost and with you, there'll be wins, but the nature of it is there'll also be losses. And you confront that scenario about tossing your toys or digging down, and at what point you betray your principles. How are you feeling about that? I I, I read a lot of Thomas Sowell, you know, the, the yes. amazing American economist who, you know, has himself you know, he's everything that you believe in. He's grew up in Harlem. He was self-made. He's, you know, and and he's an incredible mind. One of the things he writes and he quotes is quoted quite often is there is no there's no solutions, there's only trade-offs. Mm -hmm. And it sounds really negative, but if you go in knowing that everything, there's a negotiation in everything. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're moving in the right direction, there is you know, you you take, you know, when you run a business, you always feel like, you know, there's just so much to do and there's so much. And But sometimes you've got to stop and look back where you were to see that actually where we are now is better than where we were. 
and we just keep looking forward to where we want to be. And as long as everything you do keeps moving you forward, there are definitely things that everybody will not trade off. And, and that's the part that you you have to decide what is the not negotiables, what is the not trade-offs. Um, but sometimes in order to get to that destination, you're going to have to take a couple of detours. And I think it's about being smart enough to know how what detours will still get you moving in the right direction. What detours mm. can you take and still not lose your destination and and I think that's where we, we've got to keep having smart people that know yes. um, well knowing you you've got principles for a start right <laughs> and you and I know that clearly a lot of people even standing for office don't have principles to begin with they've got nothing to lose from their principled basis but you given your standing up for Hobson Pledge, you have nailed your base principles to the door and actually paid the price for sticking to them because you've been harangued and um, shouted at and you've stuck to them. And I, I, I can imagine you explaining, well, we can't get everything, but here's what we've got and here are our principles and being able to explain one law for all to all and saying, you know, this is this is what we've achieved, and we'll do more. We'll just need more support. Um, so I think I think people would understand that. Yeah, and that that's when you've got to keep taking people along with with the journey with you. You've got to mm-hmm. keep people informed. I always remember um, we we had a, a um, I was in the police when they brought in video interviewing. And a lot of the video interviewing came out of offenders because lawyers couldn't believe that we would get confessions out of people, couldn't believe that people would confess to crimes. So they wanted to bring in video interviewing to prove that there was, you know, something dodgy was going on here because who would confess to a Mm. crime? And, And that's one of the skills I remember when I left the police thinking, you know, what am I qualified to do? One of the skills you have is knowing people, being able Mm. to talk, People to being able to talk to people in their worst situations and being able to talk to people to the point that they would tell you the truth about what actually happened mm. and the things that they probably didn't want to confess to. It's a real, you know, it's it's something that you kind of learn and grow into. And and it's a skill that's taken me through life, whether you're dealing with errant employees or Hobson's Pledge or whatever it is, the ability to to work with people and and get the best out of them. And um, and I think that's what this journey is about, is, is about being able to work with people and and give them give them give them an out. You know, if you push someone into a corner and this is your ultimatum, there's no out. All you've got is conflict. But if you can work together and 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 develop solutions, I think we've got a um, an opportunity to to get better. I want to stray off topic just because this is almost personal for me, but also big for a lot of our listeners. Um, Winston Peters has been speaking out about COVID and we love it so much so that um, I was thinking of um, voting for him Um, and with you standing, um, that's on right? I'd do anything to help you get into Parliament. But um, 
for us, the COVID lockdown and the deplatforming of people um, was a big deal. Would you be open to like a select committee inquiry to what went on? Well, I know that New Zealand First has made a strong position on ending all the all of the mandates. The the and that's a big position to to take. I think that's a really strong position to take. I I think there's always opportunity to learn, and and what they've the parameters around the inquiry was you know it, it, into the to the whole COVID situation means we're not going to learn anything, and we need to learn stuff. We need to know exactly what happened, and I think that's. Um, I remember the um, the tragedies in Australia with the bushfires and the first massive bushfire where there was lots of death. Um, they had really open, you know, let's not put aside anybody getting prosecuted or getting blamed. Let's really understand what happened, what went wrong, what went right. And, and following on that, there was lots of prosecutions. There was lots of mm. – so, of course, the next time you have a massive event like that, no one no one tells the truth. No one, no one explains what went right, what went wrong, because they're so afraid of being um, prosecuted or vilified for m- mistakes that were made in the heat of the moment. So mistakes continue to be made because no one stopped to learn. No one stopped to go, what's and all – Let's put aside who did what right and who did what wrong. Let's let's have an honest discussion. And that's what I'm worried about, is that we haven't stopped and had an honest discussion. We have, and, and we mm. kept criticised for, you know, this narrative of misinformation or, you know. But well, you've been on the receiving end of that, of course. You've been mischaracterised. I mean, and so have we, and I'm not including you in this group, who have, utterly opposed every inch of the COVID response. And, of course, we now know through Official Information Act requests, such as we've been able to get, that the politicians and civil servants were lying to the people of New Zealand. I guess in their defence, I'd say it was a noble lie in saying that the vaccine would be safe and effective when there was no evidence of that. And so it's tricky because... Those in charge to date, including the National Party and the ACT Party, have been seriously implicated and compromised for any inquiry. This is like Erebus level, but bigger, potentially, right? Yeah. And so we're looking to, and I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm just putting this out there for our listeners. I don't want to put you in an awkward position, but, you know, just be aware that, we can look to New Zealand first as making it to Parliament and not being guilty of what happened. And so yeah. able to say, no, we just want people to come and be questioned under oath, like before a select committee, as to how were they in a position to say these things which clearly weren't true. And cause such a lot of upset. And and I think that's the point. While there continues to be angst, while there continues to be areas of conflict on this issue, then the only way to resolve that is to get everybody into the room and and actually you know find mm. answers that satisfy all the questions. Mm. And, 
And I, I, I think it's important that all of these, you know, whatever the issues are, that there is an accountability. That's why we have a democracy. There's an accountability mm. to the people. And and that is um, you know, we we're entitled to answers and, and that's mm. that's the part. And it's this concept that that you're there to serve the people. You know, the people don't serve you. And 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 that's that that, that foundation ethic that I think we well, I will definitely bring to, to this role. Well, one law for all is important, obviously, to living in a free and prosperous democratic country. Because if we don't have one for rule for law, we're living under a tribalist tyranny. But funnily enough, my vote is hinged on an inquiry into the vaccine injured. I've never been a single-issue voter before, but I'm so upset by people who did what was asked of them and were injured, clearly injured. Doctors say they were injured. Some died. You don't know how many even. And they're shunted aside by the medical system, by the ACC system. They're told that they're mentally unwell and cast out, and there are literally thousands of them. And Winston, to his great credit, has listened to them. And my only plea to you and suggestion to you is that it would be costless, virtually, to have a health select committee and inquiry just where these people could come along and explain what happened to them. That's what select committees are for. And the great thing about it is, is there's no filter. There's no Royal Commission filter between them and the Parliament. It's the Parliament. Mm. And it's also in public. Their testimony is in public. And I'd like, you know, to see that select committee get Ashley Bloomfield and Jacinda Ardern back and say, when you said X, were you not aware that you'd been advised Y? You know, your, your experts were telling you that there was no evidence for what you were saying, and yet you went out and said it. I'm not putting you on, I don't want to put you on the spot, I just want to take the opportunity, I think on behalf of listeners too, to suggest that to you, and I'll leave it there unless you want to say something. Well, I, I think that the, the, the point you raise is that, that Winston has demonstrated that he will listen, and mm. as the party and that's the strength of the party is is that strength of the leadership is that he has demonstrated that you know he was the one that went in and um and talked with the people and listened to what he was going the protest it was amazing mm. yeah and and so I think that's the 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 types of things that that I find encouraging is is the ability to get out there amongst the trenches and and talk to what's really hurting people um and you know, if I'm lucky enough to get there, then that's that's what I believe. And I think you've got to you've got to be accessible. You've got to be out there. Um, you know, the 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 successful. You know, the 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 politicians, the um, the Norman Kirks, the ones that were out there, kind of you know, painting. Yeah. yeah, and and that's that's what um, 
I, 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 I observed that when I was at Parliament, you had the ones that, you know, I could disagree with the politics, but you knew the ones that were just available, accessible, mm. just, you know, I, I remember um, one of my favourite stories was Margaret Wilson, who I had, um, she was the speaker at the time I left Parliament, and um, an incredibly gracious person, incredibly intelligent. But there was a, a Kapahaka group, that had, a group of kids that were there to perform, but because of some protesting and stuff, the, the, the guests didn't come through the front foyer, they went round the back. So this Kapahaka group didn't get to perform. And, you know, she'd had a massive day already, and I, I know that, but she came and asked the Kapahaka group to perform for her. And, oh, and, you know, and she stood there for, you know, quite some time and thanked and individually shook hands with all of them and that sort of stuff. And, and that was a real credit. That's, that's the type of, of person that we need, that, that kind of. And, of course, with her leg, she was in constant pain. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I admired her. She just stood mm. there for, it would have been half an hour. And it's not comfortable for her. And I just, you know, she will have my admiration always for that one thing. And those things for MPs go unreported. Mm. You know what? I, and there's so much you see as an MP of other MPs that is so human. And you wish that the people knew what these yeah. people like. And they're from all parties. Tell me yeah. this. Here's a question from a long-term listener. Um we know Winston long before it worried me and when I thought he was wrong, was complaining about globalism. And by that I mean these unelected bodies like the United Nations who uh, ministers go over to see, go to a big flash jamboree, whether it's Rio de Janeiro and climate change or the indigenous rights, and you'll be very familiar with Peter Sharples slipping off unannounced yeah. to, to go to New York and have a big ceremony and sign us up to some UN convention and to have John Key tell us it means nothing because we're a sovereign country. But then you find, oh, we have to do this because we signed this thing, and that becomes the reason. Yep. And in unelected ways, our governments have signed us up to all sorts of things, and including now we see in trade agreements. At a personal level, does this globalism, as witnessed with Peter Sharples and what it's meant for having one law for New Zealand, does that also concern you? Yeah, and and I had been largely unaware until um, under you know that that yes. you. Came about at, about the ease in which it was adopted. The reality is, it doesn't place any obligation, but it's no. being used to place obligation. And so that was really what what opened my eyes to the fact um, that this is this is an issue that this is a real problem to to our identity as a nation. Was that 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 we can be so you know, um, influenced um, or, you know, lied to effectively that, you know, we have to do this now. And and that's why I, I have a lot of time for Professor James Allen, um, the um, 
who who who's now a professor in Brisbane, but he was law professor in Otago University, and he's Canadian himself. Um, and and he came over and did, and you know, from a constitutional law point of view, a review of the Hapuapu report. And from from his information, it was really clear this, you know, constitutionally why New Zealand is in such a such a powerful position as having an unwritten constitution. We have this protection, and that Parliament is sovereign okay. power, and. And and that's really precious. And the the thought that we can trade that off so easily, and and not even you know not even by presenting it to the people, we've just been told, you know, it just is what it is. UNDRIP makes this obligation, and it isn't what it is, and it hasn't undermined our constitutional position. Um, and and those are the the things that you know you can be, you know, just because you say things lots and lots of times doesn't make it right. And mm. somebody. Has Stand up and go. The emperor's got no clothes on, people. This is this is a lie, and it's, um, and we've got to. Yeah, it seems to me now that it's not that the UN and these other bodies direct us. It's rather that we sign up to these treaties, and then local councils and government departments use them as the high-level strategy and objective and all their planning and all their policy reports and all their papers. And so it's this non-voted-for high-level policy over and over and over, and ministers and cabinet are sitting there and officials are advising them and say, oh, well, the UN says this, and for a lot of them it will agree they will agree with it, but a lot of them won't, but they'll be silenced by the fact that it's the UN policy XYZ that we committed to and our trade relies on it, yada, 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 yada. And so our councils and our government looks like it's being directed by the UN, but it's really that our parliament won't stand up to it. And and that you know that level of bureaucracy where where a bureaucrat's telling you something so as an mp you go oh well it must be right then you know you've you've yes. got to actually, you've got to see the bit of paper in your own you know in, in front of you and go okay well answer the answer this question answer that question mm. be curious find out don't accept because some bureaucrat that's been there for a while has told you something and that's i i think that was the part that you know one of the things I talk about with the police training is that as a detective, you know, you just got information and your job was to work through what information is true, what information has evidential value, you know, what, and, it, you know, whatever the, the crime was, the, you, you had to find the truth in all of that. You had to wade mm. through it and and ask the questions of the right people. And, and that's what I think um, well, one of the, I hope to take to the to the discussions. Well, Winston, to his great credit, is on to this. And also, like I'll give you my experience, and then we've got Winston's experience. My experience, and it's hard to imagine how disappointed, disappointed doesn't begin to capture it, but if I gave my true feelings, um, I'd be disappointed in my broadcasting. But we were in a coalition arrangement with John Key's government, the ACT Party, and we had a no surprises policy. And I discovered 
that as a quid pro quo over something that I'd done, Peter Sharples was allowed to fly to New York, not telling anyone, and sign this UNDRIP on behalf of the New Zealand government. And I actually demanded a meeting with the Prime Minister. And I sat there with him, and he had that sort of confident smile on his face where he told me it meant nothing, that we'd just signed this, but we were still sovereign, and we'd have to agree to... We would have to agree to anything. Parliament would have to do it, so it made no difference. And unfortunately, I'd seen the same thing happen right back to 1992 in climate change, where we'd signed things that meant nothing, but then became government policy and then unstoppable. And I couldn't believe that John Key, who I knew and trusted, could do that to not just me, but more particularly to the country, because that dramatically changed the direction of New Zealand, probably more than anything he did. Yeah. And he was unaware of it. I think he was being truthful to me. He was unaware that what those things meant. And of course, Mr. Peters, he had that experience with Labour. I can never pronounce it, where they did that report and received it and never told him. Yeah, the Hepopa report. Yeah. Hepo, hepo, I don't know how to say Hepopa. I'm hopeless. Um, I can scarcely speak English. So um, <laughs> that is so disgusting. And that New Zealand gets dragged along in an unelected way without even those in charge being aware of it. And we had a. Sorry. Just to add to the the Heipuapu discussion, we we have to remember that um, the Minister of Māori Development, Willie Jackson, has commissioned another um, UNDRIP realisation plan. He commissioned it to be, you know, drafted as, you know, for the government to have a plan moving forward. Um, Middle of last year said that, um, you know, we're we're still tweaking it because some of the language was a bit strong and might not be a problem. Um, But, you know, it would be released for public consultation. Well, that was the middle of last year. We're now three months out from election and we know this report's been commissioned and, nobody's talking about it. It's it's just like it's disappeared, this next realisation plan for UNDRIP. And, um, you know, where is it at? Um, the beginning of this year, I was called to make a submission to the Select Committee about renaming New Zealand to Aotearoa, and the committee hasn't reported back. You know, th- these are the things that are the sitting there that we're kind of, you know, well, where is this, what's happening? So I think that the things being hidden is is still a concern. And and there has to be people that go into to um the next government that is formed in New Zealand with the wherewithal to ask the right questions. Well and, your ability as a police officer detecting bullshit will be very valuable. <laughs> the, the 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 bullshitometer, I think it's yeah. the we had the experience, we have a wonderful broadcaster called Jasper, who's a wonderful woman. And to my shame, she went along to an act meeting. That's not what the bill I'm shameful, ashamed, ashamed of. But she spoke up and asked David Seymour, the act leader, whether he was concerned about the undue influence that the UN was having on local government in New Zealand. And he called her a nutcase in a public <laughs> meeting. 
a well-spoken nutcase, I think the words were. And it's that inability of our political leadership, like David Seymour, like John Key, to be unaware of this globalist uh, cabal who aren't coercing us. <laughs> we're signing up to it. Yeah. But we're signing up to it unaware, like John Key, like David Seymour, like Jim Bolger in 92 with climate change, they're unaware that when you sign something like this, it will be used against your country. And and I think that's the, the you know, I, I, I often use the Emperor's New Clothes sort of analogy that you have to be afraid, not unafraid to ask the questions. Yes. And as well as listening, you've got to ask the questions. And and, and that was, you know, National was also, um, the same argument was applied when they passed the Marine and Coastal Area Act. Yes. When John Key looked straight into the camera and said, you know, this won't affect anybody, you know, there'll hardly be any claims, it won't be a problem, nothing to see here. And I, I think probably, you know, they believed that there would be very few uh, successful claims under the Marine and Coastal Area Act. But by April 2017, there was a claim over every centimetre of New Zealand's coastline. Yeah, and then some. And here's the thing. He was in a responsible position. He was a smart person. He had an obligation to find out, and he had the resources to find out. But I believe it suits suited him and suited the politics of the situation just to wave his hand and get through the day and get through the week and get through the term. John Key wasn't a person who would stop and say what's best for New Zealand in the long term. It yeah, I think that plausible deniability, you know. Uh, the now, tell me this, Casey. I imagine, I'm guessing here, but I imagine Don Brash is very proud of you standing for Parliament and 100% behind you. But you'd also be sad not to have you because you're like sort of the Lone Ranger and Tonto. <laughs> That's a and perfect... the, ton the Tonto, Tonto's lost the Lone Ranger. <laughs> I'll always be in his corner. I Honestly, Don Brash has the great, oh, my greatest admiration. I just cannot believe that he continues to keep fighting the good fight. He's great. Know, when he's not just gone like, oh, look, I'm going to go and live a happy life. And, yeah, and um, he just is tireless. It's just, uh, you know, I have the greatest admiration for his, you know, willingness to to front up. And if you're out and about with Don, you know, his patience and his kindness and his respectfulness to people is just Mind blowing, you know. I've 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 been in occasions where I felt like as I'm his bouncer, you know. I'm 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 ready to jump. And of course, he's the opposite of you. Yeah, he has a zero bullshit meter, right? Yeah. <laughs> he takes. He can't imagine that someone could withhold the truth from him, or slightly bend the truth, or slightly mislead him. He is hopelessly naive about people. He just has an incredible trust and faith in people. He he yeah. just really does. Which is very um, touching because you want to protect them at every stage because you can see oh. it, right? And he can't. And also protect him, like, you know, because he, you know, he has borne a brunt and people have, have seen him as something that he's just not at all. Mm -hmm. 
And so when when I sense that people are you know wanting to be a bit aggressive or anything, like it's really hard for me not to sort of go into to police mode. And <laughs> yes, well, our Tonto needs a new Lone Ranger or Hobson <laughs> Pledge. Um, well, Casey, um, how do people find you've got a web page up yet, or can they still contact you through Hobson Pledge? Well, yeah, they'll definitely. I, I can be forwarded emails through Hobson's Pledge for now. Right. I don't, I don't think they've they've burned the bridges with me. Um, okay, but it's it's very early days, so I've got a whole lot of stuff. Um, my massive to do list um, has been added to quite significantly of the stuff I've got to get going over the next few days. So, um, well, be be out there soon. I don't support political parties now um, because they all let me down in a fundamental way. I support good people. And you're a very good pe- person, and you've got my hundred percent support. I might even give you my vote. I'm still waiting, <laughs> uh, but my vote is on. Just so everyone's clear, I'm a single issue voter. I'll vote for the party that'll promise a select committee inquiry into the vaccine injured and killed. And I don't know the answer. I know some did, the government admits some did, but we don't know how many and how great an extent it is. But I want those people to have a voice and their families, and I want to find out what happened. And so I know that's it. Nothing else matters to me at the moment, and yet I feel very strongly about One Law for All too and Hobson Pledge and what you've achieved. Uh, By the way, just quickly, what was the highlights and the lowlights of your seven years setting up Hobson Pledge, what was the great moment and what was the bad moment? Can you think of things stand out? I, it's really funny that you know the the you know the big things the you know building a base of one hundred and sixty thousand supporters, all of those sort of things is really great. You know, pushing back you know um, the Rotorua Bill for unelected representation and and um, and uh, the changing of equal suffrage and and there was you know things like that that really you know but it's really the little things it's it's the it's that one-on-one contact mm. and one of the highlights was um you know we had a quite a you know sort of hostile meeting and there was one young woman who was just you know hated everybody and I asked her to talk to me you know I asked her to come outside and talk to me and, and explain to me what it was and Turning that one person, like just turning that one person, that that connecting with one person who was so full of hate and sitting down and talking and going through, those little things were the highlights to me, that that connection to people that, you know, that we can all have differences, but, you know, let's focus on our common ground. And and those are the, the things that I think really resonated, that one-on-one contact, the the, the people and and just recently um you know someone I know very well was just having a you know walking along the beach conversation about the state of the world and um and you know how bad things were and and the the guy fishing said oh but you know I follow this group Hobson's Pledge and this lady Casey Costello and I felt like wow I've like I've become like some knows me yes you are you are Casey <laughs> And I won't do the low light because that highlight was so touching. I don't, we don't need to know about low lights. We all cover those when we get through them. Um, you know what? You 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 come across, and I've met you, 
And you come across, you don't come across, you are a very beautiful, fine, good soul, good, good, good person. Thank you. For and that. you look Maori, right? So no one would mistake you as not being Maori. And I know your aunt well, and she is the finest of ladies. And she tells me of those elders that you had and she had. And what wonderful people they were. Good values, strong morals, um, worked hard, looked after their family. And it must be with some hurt that you see these people who, and I don't, it shouldn't matter about appearances, but funny enough, it does on this issue, who don't even appear Maori, right? And are so nasty and so vindictive and so like your friend that you spoke to, so filled with hate. It must be so upsetting for you because they're like giving Maori a bad name. And I think that's the part that we've got to move away from, this group thing, you know, that, and, and that was the reason I stood up for Hobson's Pledge, is this idea that someone can claim to speak for me and I haven't mm. given them authority to speak for me. This idea that individuals, and I think we've just got to go back to those people speak for themselves. They have no authority to speak for anyone else. Good they can do they can try and take ownership or possession of of an ethnicity of a of a but they don't they speak for themselves and and they will be seen for what they are they will be seen not by what they say but what they've done what they've delivered what they've achieved how have they helped anybody um and and eventually i believe that 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 will out well there you have it listeners ladies and gentlemen uh, you're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. You're on Rally Check Radio. You can text me at 2057 or email me at inbox at rallycheck.radio. There you have a very wonderful person, a very wonderful Kiwi, who's been through the fire and been tested many, many times over, both within the police, but publicly with husband's pledge. We know exactly what her principles are. And she's standing for Parliament. And for me, it gives me hope for this election and a reason to look forward to this election. This one lady standing has made a difference to me. And when I got her email that she wasn't in Hobson Pledge anymore, I was so bitterly upset. And then I saw the next thing that she's standing for Parliament. I didn't even care who for, but I just bounced for joy. So there we have it. That was the wonderful, the uh, uplifting Casey Costello who I hope will still come on our show. I'm sure she will. And no longer as Hobson's Pledge spokesperson, but as a candidate for the New Zealand Parliament with all the right values. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio.